My name is Patty Daniel, and I've been practicing at this temple for more than 15 years now. And for many of these years, if not most, I've been puzzling over and thinking about my topic today, the power of equanimity. In both ancient and contemporary Buddhism, there are many scriptures and teachings that center around peace of mind and equanimity. They usually talk about how to achieve equanimity, how to cultivate it, which practices seem to produce it, and how deep insights and wise decisions can flow from it. But what is it really, and and why do we want it? I've always resisted the idea of equanimity. Sometimes I feel like Buddhism is asking me to become an emotional zombie, to not react, to not feel, to always somehow rise above the nitty-gritty of everyday life. And even though I understand intellectually that this is a mischaracterization of the teachings, I still resist the notion that we can or should avoid emotional upheavals. Anyone who has ever fallen in love would probably agree that the emotional high was worth the heartbreak that may well have eventually followed. I love the emotional highs of life, in spite of the fact that I fully recognize that the emotional highs are pretty well even with the emotional lows. Even so, I welcome the highs. I find them energizing, exciting, and motivating. They push me to move, to explore, to experiment. So I chose this topic today for my talk in hopes of going a little deeper into my understanding of equanimity. I think the ancient Greek Stoic philosophers may well have been the first in the West to write about the idea of equanimity. And ironically, in the popular imagination today, the Stoics are often thought of as hard-hearted, overly controlled, grim, humorless, and unfeeling. One of the guiding principles of the early Stoic philosopher Zeno I mean, we're talking like 4th century BCE. One of his guiding principles was known as apatheia, which refers to a state of mind in which one is not disturbed by the passions. The word apatheia is sometimes translated as indifference, since the modern English word apathy is is derived from it, but scholars of Greek translate it as equanimity. The Stoics believe that the practice of virtue is enough to achieve human flourishing, that a life spent practicing certain virtues in everyday life, such as courage and living in accordance with nature, that these virtues will bring happiness. Along with the Aristotelian ethics, the Stoic tradition forms one of the major foundations for what is known as virtue ethics. It emphasizes that because virtue is sufficient for happiness, a wise person is one who is emotionally resilient. 
That virtue stems from tranquility of mind and freedom from excessive emotional states. Thus, in their view, apatheia, or equanimity, is our very foundation for happiness. In the world of psychology, equanimity is viewed as mental balance, the ability to experience our trials and tribulations without constantly striving to change our external circumstances. This is not to say that equanimity can replace making practical decisions to help us deal with our difficulties, but that a state of calmness and balance is what gives rise to the best decisions. In a blog called Mind Owl, a post by psychologist Felipe Bastos states that equanimity is a fundamental skill related to self-awareness. However, because of its association with calmness and reduced reactivity, it is sometimes confused with suppression of feelings, apathy, passivity, or a lack of expansiveness. Rather, he says, it's really about being free from judgments, prejudices, and disturbances, and about not fixating on our thoughts and feelings. In other words, when emotions arise, we recognize them without suppression or denial or distracting ourselves from them. But neither do we attach to them. Both over-suppression and over-identification with our feelings can be avoided through cultivating a more balanced state of equanimity. Mr. Bastos goes on to say that some people, like me, might worry that equanimity of mind may lead to reduced levels of energy and focus, as well as an unwillingness to engage with the world around you. But quite the opposite is true. Equanimity frees the mind to be more engaged with the world by developing a more peaceful mind and by practicing acceptance of the world as it is. When we stop resisting, we have more energy available for engaging in positive pursuits, and we can feel empowered and effective when responding to situations as they arise. In the world of meditation, the concept of equanimity is frequently referenced in relation to the mental stability and composure achieved by deep meditation. Sharon Salzberg, one of the co-founders of the Insight Meditation Society in Barr, Massachusetts, has said that equanimity is the mental state that results when a person has wisdom, perspective, and enough experience to fully know that no emotional upheaval lasts forever. She says it's a mistake to think that equanimity is detached and passive. Rather, it is a realization that there are other options and possibilities, that you're not stuck in a difficult situation. In most branches of Buddhism, the concept of equanimity is a fundamental principle founded on the concept that nothing is permanent or certain. Understanding and true acceptance of the inherent impermanence of all things in the universe becomes the path to equanimity and happiness. 
in Wan Buddhism, our essential dharmas of daily practice, they're all in the in our meditation booklets, our essential dharmas begin with the mind is originally free from disturbance, but disturbances arise in response to sensory conditions. Let us restore the equanimity of our true nature by letting go of disturbances. There are nine essential dharmas of daily practice, and they're basically uh, an encapsulation of the doctrinal chart in the front of the Red Book. And though they are entirely interdependent and equally important, I can't help but wonder if our founding teacher, Master Sote-san, didn't put the practice of developing equanimity first for a reason. Dr. Bongkil Chung, a professor, scholar, and ordained minister in Wan Buddhism, wrote a translation of the writings of Master Chung-san, who was our second head Dharma master. In a lengthy introduction to his translation, he makes an interesting point. He states that Master Chung-san suggested that a necessary precondition for a perfect life is the cultivation of equanimity. Dr. Chung goes on to say, quote, Equanimity entails a radical impartiality and indifference based on a sense of emptiness in the Buddhist sense of the word, and also on emancipation or freedom based on an understanding of basic existential and metaphysical principles. While we could spend a lot of time on this concept of emptiness, suffice it to say that it underlies the ability to let go of grasping and clinging, especially to our emotional states. Equanimity allows for open-hearted acceptance, followed by letting go. Sometimes equanimity is mistaken for passivity or indifference, but it's not the same. Equanimity calls for engaging with life. Passivity and indifference are forms of giving up. So how do we cultivate equanimity? Well, there are practical things we can do, such as maintaining our physical health, especially with exercise, good nutrition, getting adequate sleep, and limiting our news consumption. But mainly we cultivate equanimity by making the effort to see life as it is, and by being totally present in our daily activities as well as our meditation practice. We cultivate equanimity when we cultivate our wisdom and virtue. When we see that Buddha image everywhere in everyone and everything, when we experience timeless, placeless Zen, and when we dedicate ourselves to daily meditation. All these things will bring us the power of equanimity. I'd like to end with a quote from Master Sotisam. He says, It is not my instruction to have you eliminate by force your feelings of joy or anger, sorrow or happiness, Rather, I urge you to exercise your free frame of mind without constraint by applying joy, anger, sorrow, and happiness properly according to time and place, only making sure that you do not diverge from the middle way. 
Well, wow. I guess Master Sotasan is not asking me to become an emotional zombie after all. <laughs> I love the writings of Master Sotisan, and yes, they bring me joy. They are permeated with sound advice, deep understanding of the human condition, and essential kindness. I'll be forever grateful for them. Thank you for listening, and may the rest of your day be filled with equanimity. Mm-hmm. <laughs>